0: Hey there, it's Michelle. I've hand-selected some of my favorite interviews to rerun for you this summer. I hope you enjoy the episodes. Let's get into
1: the show. That's the only time I've ever had a publicist was during the books. And yes, the publicist got me on Oprah, but again, another magical story. She could not get me on like flat out. So she just told The producer what if laura coached you for three months? Oh, so I coached this woman for three months There was no guarantees that anything was going to come of it, but she had some amazing results She walked right into the office like we're putting this woman on wow So that's how that happened So again, all this is a little bit of five sensory world strategy concrete And then a lot of luck because it could have gone another way but You know, to someone who thought about killing themselves because they had failed at acting, to then a couple of years later be having these dream come true type of experiences, it just was beyond my wildest dreams. Incredibly ironic that everything, you know, I ever wanted happened not by being an actor.
0: Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Hey there, it's Michelle, and welcome back. I have a great show lined up for you today. We are going to be discussing how to navigate transitions, specifically around career. Whether you're a stay at home mom who knows she wants more, and a job that no longer lights you up, out of a job, or feeling called to something more and need clarity in your career or life direction, this show is for you. Joining us is best selling author of five books, Laura Berman Fortgang. And today we're diving into some of the key tips from her book, Now What? 90 Days to a New Life Direction. Laura is internationally known as a pioneer and 25-year veteran in the personal coaching field where she's been supporting people to find solutions for their lives, as well as works with small businesses and organizations. She's a sought-after, public speaker, TV personality, having been on all the major morning talk shows, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, and her TED Talk has garnered over 1.5 million views. Welcome, Laura. So happy to have you on today. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, well, we're going to dive right in. So I loved your book so much, and I feel like there's so much wisdom here that people really need right now. It's so very timely, what you've written, even though you wrote it back a while ago. What was it? 2000?
1: 2005. Wow. And you have revised it, though. but Yes, 2015, we did a whole... Th- new revised because we've worked with so many clients and had so much more to say. It was such a joy. And that's when the TED talk, TEDx talk was done was 2015.
0: Okay. Around that. Okay. So because you've been through your own transition, I thought it would be great if we should just, if we could just start with your story. So I read in the book that you used to be a professional musical theater actress, which I think is very cool, by the way. I did some musical theater as a kid <laughs> and I loved it. Um, but making a career of that is pretty special. Um, and then you became a pioneer in the professional coaching field and best-selling author and you know, TV personality, having been on Oprah, which we're, we're going to have to just know a little bit about that because that's too <laughs> cool. But how did you end up on your path and find your way into coaching from
1: musical theater? Oh, I I wish I could say it was smooth sailing, but it was actually very tumultuous. I mean, it started with getting very depressed that, you know, no one worked harder than me at trying to make it to Broadway. And I had relative success. I mean, I worked six months out of the year as an actor. I was a union card holder, which, you know, means you're a professional. And, um, you know, so I did like 50-50, but I was a waitress and I was a miserable waitress. I was very good at it, but I was bitchy. Oh, my God. <laughs> And you know, my world got darker. Like I just Couldn't understand how you could work so hard at your dream and not have it come true So I really felt I had failed I was in a very dark place. I mean I write in one of my books like my parents were even going to check me into a a mental hospital and In that interview when they were they asked me if I thought of harming myself I knew if I answered yes, they were gonna lock me up. So I said Um, I don't actually don't remember what I said. All I remember is getting up and leaving and my mother like chasing me through the parking lot. And I made a decision that I was going to change my mind. Like I was not going to be dark anymore. I was going to find a way out. And it was really like, at this point, I had been through a lot of therapy and I chose not to do therapy when I was in my darkest place. That I don't recommend, but it was because I felt like I was spending so much time looking at the problem that I wasn't looking for solutions. So I uh, used the Course of Miracles, which is psycho spiritual self study course, as the basis of my healing, and I did that darn thing, and I changed my mind. And all I could be grateful for, because I didn't see anything to be grateful for, and as I tried to shift around, the only thing I could see to be grateful for was that I had five fingers and toes on each hand and each foot. So I started there, and it really I changed my mind. And on the other side of the depression was an intuition that I never realized I had intuition. And my intuition was so strong at that moment. Sometimes you need a breakdown to hear that voice clearly. And, you know, I wish I could bottle this, but my intuition was so persistent and it was so clear. It said, call Jay, who was an acting mentor of mine, He has a new career or a new job for you. That was, I've never had such direct like intuition and it bugged me and it bugged me and it bugged me. So I called Jay and in those days there was no internet yet. So I found him by calling information (laughs) and I didn't want to tell him that this voice in my head was telling me to call him. So I just said, you know, I'm not happy doing this anymore. I don't know what else I would do. And he's like, well, I'm a coach and I could help you figure it out. So I was a client for two years he helped me sift through a lot of things. And then one day, as I was, my next idea for what I might do was to do presentation skills training. Since as an actor, you're always on stage, people ask you, How do you do it? How do you memorize your lines? How do you, whatever. So I started doing that, but quickly realized that to get the best out of people in their presentation, I had to access the human. And I needed a different technology, like just telling you how to speak or hold your hands or what to speak about was not enough. So, I looked at Jay and I said, "I want to do what you do and at that moment, Thomas Leonard, who was the grandpapa of personal coaching, he was starting Coach University, mm-hmm. which was the first acting acting school, the first coaching <laughs> school in the United States. Mm-hmm. so I was student number sixteen Wow, and those same sixteen people started the International Coach Federation, which now is the largest body worldwide to certify coaches and certified colleges or anyone who's doing coaching mm-hmm. and so that's a long story, but um I I I want to point out two things, you know one it came from great pain And surrender and giving up knowing anything And two it came from listening and following my intuition With and the other intuition I had was you know, you have killed yourself to be an actor And with the level of devotion that you've done this if you in the hardest profession in the world If you just put that energy into the real world quote-unquote You would succeed and I was right. Within, within three years, I went from student of coaching to having a reliable practice. And there's loads of stories that go in there. but <laughs> Well,
0: more than a reliable practice, right? I mean, at some point you ended up on Oprah. So obviously you did rise. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people, when they're doing something, they feel called to do like you did with the, the professional musical theater. And aren't making it in the way that they saw, can feel depressed. And sometimes the depression can be a wake-up call uh, or that nagging. You just, you know, you're in that job and it looks great on paper, but it just doesn't feel good. But your depression is what prompted you. Other people just stay stuck. They'd rather stay in the discomfort. And we're going to get, I think, into some of these tips that you have. But tell us some more about your story. So what do you think propelled you to the level that you did as a coach, because it seems to me that you are somebody who does excel for greatness, right? You, you, you don't, you don't want status quo. You want to
1: be exceptional Uh, about what you do. I, I aim high, whether I, you know, whether I have the credentials or not, I sometimes aim high. I can sense that about you. So, you
0: know, you obviously did get to that level. So take us a little bit more on your journey. I mean, how did your practice blossom into what it became? Because you were a coach, like you said, when no one was coaching. I got certified about 16 years ago in New York. And even then, it was still not that mainstream like it is today.
1: Yeah. I mean, some people will say, oh, you know, newer coaches will say, well, you, you know, there was, there wasn't so much competition then. So you had it, you had it made. No, we had an unknown. We had a thing where people said, Whoa, soccer mom? Like, what are you? <laughs> what? And so, you know, but I, I kind of had like an evangelical quality to myself, I guess, because coaching had worked for me. Therapy and coaching are very distinct. And maybe all those years, I really didn't need a therapist. I was what they called the worried. Well, like I really wasn't mentally ill and nothing against serious mental illness but I just had nowhere to put my anxieties, I guess. So coaching changed my life. So first I wasn't an, an, you know, like an evangelist. Second, I had a lot of energy and always have, and I can be very focused when I need to be. And three, I was fearless. I mean, like it was nothing compared to going in to sing and having people not like you just because you have curly hair and that you you got rejected, right? So mm-hmm. the rejection didn't, scare me because they weren't rejecting me they would be rejecting a concept that they never heard of and the one thing that thomas leonard said that really stuck with me he said when you've coached 100 people you'll know what you're doing and i used to keep a little tally by the phone about how many conversations and how many people i had coached and i remember the hundredth person like he didn't even hire me because in the consultation we solved this problem and i hung up put the little mark on it and went i know what i'm doing so I think a lot of coaches nowadays that, you know, they, they, they're worried about Instagram, they're worried about a following, they're worried about their online course, they're worried about this, they're worried about that. I feel like the number one thing you can do to be successful as a coach is to be really damn good at it. And a lot of people want to skip that step. And it makes me very angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but just be good at it. I mean, if you have a conversation with someone that rocks their world, they're going to be talking about you. And again, the other thing is that people think coaching is giving advice and it's truly not. It's asking questions or examining things from a different point of view that then the person has the aha, you know, I'm not giving you an aha, I am processing you. So I often say that coaching is not a, an industry expertise uh, or a content expertise. It's a processing expertise. It's I know how to process you for you to get your own answers. But anyway, I don't even know if I answered your question. Oh, so how did I go from that to that? From- to Oprah. <laughs> well, the Oprah thing, I have to say, okay, so I hate when people talk about their success and they, they don't tell you how. It's like, oh yeah, it magically happened. Exactly. There was a lot of magic, I have mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. And when I see magic in my clients, it's because you're telling the truth, you're crystal clear, and you're just putting one foot in front of the other. Now, the hard part of that story was that I did get a book deal. Uh, that was. Wait, okay. We will give your your guys the magic and the not magic. 1996, long time ago, Thomas Leonard was very generous when reporters called about the new coaching field that he was pioneering, and he'd give us the the lead. Like, call this reporter. So I called this reporter from Money Magazine. I'm like the 20th coach to reach out to her, and she said, you know, I really don't need to talk to any more of you. And I said, "What? Well, well, wait, wait, before you hang up, you need to talk to this client of mine who went from making 50 grand a year to 500 grand a year over 18 months. And she said, oh my gosh, right? So she talks to my client and says, in September, we'll call you to take your picture. So in September, when they called her, the person who was in charge of the picture had no longer had a trail. Of who the reporter even was for that story and they didn't know why they were calling this woman and she said oh They're doing a story on me and my coach So this story that I was originally not included in became a story about me and her and When that hit in december of 1996, I had 500 phone calls wow. to my office I had to make my mother pretend to be my secretary. I didn't even have an office it was In my house <laughs> I had three hundred fifty people on a waiting list because they all wanted to make five hundred thousand dollars a year. I had three publishers call me. The first one was like, "Have you ever thought of writing a book?" And I'm like, mm, "Yeah, sure." The second one, "Have you ever thought of writing a book?" Yes. And the third one, you know, "Have you ever thought of writing a book?" Yes. Would you like to line up? I've had three calls mm-hmm. today, right? So I end up with a killer book deal with the with the through the William Morris Agency. So if you're listening out there, that is one of the biggest literary and celebrity agencies there are, how did I get in there? My dad's best friend was a lawyer there. So I go to the the, the friend, the lawyer, and I'm like, who wants to do my contract? (laughs) Let me tell you this. If you have a contract in hand to do a book deal, no one's going to say no to you. Okay. So it wasn't that I was any big scoop. It was other other than I had a deal. Who would like to do it? So Warner Books is like, great. We deal with you. And I said, no, you have to call my agent. And Because Warner Books is thinking they're going to get me for nothing because I'm an idiot. I know nothing. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, William Morris. And they're like, what? Uh, And then I told them the agent's name and they literally said a four-letter word because they knew it was going to cost them. So I got a tremendous book deal and I want all of you out there to know I reinvested every dime in it in marketing the book. You think it's hard to write a book? Marketing a book is a full time job. Mm -hmm. I invested every penny into marketing. And that's the only time I've ever had a publicist was during the books. And yes, the publicist got me on Oprah. But again, another magical story. She could not get me on like flat out. So she just told the producer, what if Laura coached you for three months? Oh, So I coached this woman for three months. There was no guarantees that anything was going to come of it, but she had some amazing results. She walked right into the office. Like we're putting this woman on. Wow. So that's how that happened. So again, all this is a little bit of five sensory world strategy, concrete, and then a lot of luck because it could have gone another way. But you know to someone who thought about killing themselves because they had failed at acting to then a couple of years later be having these dream come true type of Experiences it just was beyond my wildest dreams incredibly ironic That everything you know, I ever wanted happened not by being an actor and in ret and ten years after that I realized in writing one of, in the writing now what that when I was an actor asked about a at a scholarship scenario with that guy that ended up being my first coach uh there was a scholarship for um a program and they asked me what would be possible if you were successful as a performer and i thought i had like the miss america girl scout answer like you know the perfect answer being an eldest child i had to have the right answer and so i stepped to the microphone and i said you know if I were successful as a performer, people would see me on stage and be inspired to change something in their life. Mm. They'd be moved by a play in a way that made them uncomfortable and change something in their world. And if you look at the answer to that, which didn't hit me till 10 years later, the true reason I wanted to be on stage was to cause change in people and to influence them and to have them um, transform by living through a piece of theater. And so now I put on my own theater. This is so good. We're doing good. right
0: now. Oh my goodness, Laura. Okay, so a lot of what I'm hearing though is intuition guiding your path, but having the courage to follow through when that voice was going and follow that next step, follow the next step and allow things to unfold. And then I love the word magic that you're using. I mean, a lot of those are either the synchronicities or things aligning in your favor. So do you believe that when you tune into, in the book you call it your sixth sens- uh, sensory, Right. Which is the the world. Yes. You're six.
1: Like we do six sensory um, career coaching, not five sensory.
0: Right. Which would be really tuning into that intuition because I actually, I believe that life is about remembering. Like I think it's planted. And part of our path is to kind of brush away all those cobwebs and the voices and everybody wanting us to be something and bending and twisting and trying to be something else. And then ultimately coming back to ourselves and you had the dark night of the soul, if you will. And then you,
1: yep. you emerged and, and, and had a wanting... life blueprint, which is in the book. Like what you're yes. saying of like, yes. it's kind of in there, yes. but yes. you have to get rid of the social mores and all the constructs and find you. I call that the life blueprint. Exactly. So, you know, I see it with clients all the time, like luck and synchronicity come when you are aligned with your soul. When you're not doing things for all the five sensory reasons, meaning I got to pay the mortgage, I got to do the college for the kid, like all those things are true. I don't. I. I mean, believe me. I. I. My husband and I are both self-employed. We take high risks, and sometimes we've gotten screwed financially. But you know, um, we have risked all those comforts that people who have a paycheck have. But the rewards, most of the time, by aligning with your intuition and your sweet spot of what you know you can give the world I I do see rewards for it. I do and you know, but funny enough It's not always about making more money. Sometimes when people make a change, it's about less money But then if you have all the money in the world and you're miserable What's that? Is that that? your criteria for happiness? So I see more people willing to okay make a little less be more prudent but be doing something that they feel great about every day. And that's where I get down to the difference between what you do and who you're being. Like the motto of now what is career satisfaction doesn't come from what you do. It comes from who your job allows you to be.
0: I love that. That's a quotable. And I know Oprah was quoting you on that
1: episode because yes. I watched the clip. Oprah, I love like, that. Oprah like my perfectionist quote, what's, what's a perfectionist? Oh, that's very cute. Well, Laura, people
0: are going to be like, okay, well help me now, Laura, because this sounds right. great. And I want to be on that path. I want that magic in my life. Um, you know, it's interesting because you revised the book after 9-11, right? Was
1: it after a few years no, after? The, the book the was book written as a result
0: after, of 9 Oh, right. I'm sorry. The book was written as a result of 9-11 and then in yeah. 2015, you updated it. Yeah. Okay. But we are now in a pandemic and I feel like it's especially timely right now because a lot of people are out of jobs and they're doing a lot of soul searching right now. So I'm wondering, um, you know, based on your experience and what you've written in the book, can you share, you talk about their three blocks that people have when trying to figure out what to do, how do they navigate that?
1: Yep. Um, I call them the three blocks to clarity. Right. So a big one, I'm, I'm skipping to number two, a big one is identity. So like, if you are just mired to an identity, like I'm a white collar executive, or I'm just a mom, that's an identity. Or, you know, I never went to college, so I can't do da, 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 da. I mean, the list goes on of identities that people cling to. You know, like that's why you can't see yourself as anything else because you are so wedded to that identity. So it requires looking at it almost like an egg. And if you don't like eggs, you don't like this example, but bear with me. You know, an egg, every egg of every animal, every size and shape, right, is basically like the same, right? It has a shell and you open up that shell and there's the golden center inside. Well, the shell is everything that can be taken away. The status, the title, the car, the salary, Um, The admiration from other people, you know, maybe your jewish grandmother's so proud that you're a lawyer, whatever All that can be taken away The part that can't be taken away is the golden center. So let's say we use the example of a lawyer You know, yeah, you put years into it. Yeah, you're still in debt from it Yeah, you went to harvard and you want to keep that prestige, but if you hate it then what, let's take the yoke of that. What did you get? You're a highly analytical thinker. You're probably a great communicator, verbal and written. You may have a a high sense of justice or fairness, or you want to protect the little guy. There's pieces of that that can move forward and it doesn't have to be in the package, in the egg of lawyer. So that's how you break through the identity crisis. I mean, I, I often say that there's no such thing as a career crisis, it's really a spiritual crisis. You mm-hmm. are off your game as to who you are. So that golden center is the who, the shell is the what, right? So that's one of them. The, another block to clarity is that you just spend way too much time complaining about what you hate. So therefore you have no ownership of what you do want. But very simply, like if you hate your boss, there's something you want. What do you want? You know, you want someone who respects you, let's say, right? So instead of walking around saying, I hate my boss, I hate my boss, I hate my boss, I hate my boss. You want to wake up every morning and go, I want to be respected. I want a boss that respects me. That that itself shifts your energy from victim to I'm on a path to find something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it may mean you have to leave. And that's what most people are afraid of. Most people are afraid of change or the hard work of finding a job. Um, and then the third block to clarity is just a lot of your embedded beliefs, you know, whether it be I'm too old to make a change or, um, you know, who, who's going to hire me at this age or I'm not good enough or whatever the case may be. So those are, the, those are the three blocks to clarity.
0: Okay. And so then aligned with that is you talk about two turnkeys to gaining the clarity and the importance of intuition. Now, intuition has been a big theme of everything we've been talking about so far. So um, take us into that.
1: Right. Well, this is why I talk about, you know, five sensory world versus six sensory world is that, you know, your resume, and this is the name of the TED talk, actually, that you had to find your dream job without ever looking at your resume. Mm -hmm. Your resume is the worst indicator of what you should do next. It's just a chronological business case for why you would take the next step in the same career. Um, so the turnkeys to the now what program and my methodology is that we don't look at your resume, we look at your life story Mm. and your life story will give me clues as to those things that need to move forward with you or those things that you made decisions about that no longer fit you. So I talk about in the book, a woman who her whole, she was a top salesperson she felt like she was losing her mojo and she hired me to help her get her mojo back. And I'm like, mm, I don't think it's about that. And her vow, a lot of people take make vows, right? So she made a vow that she wasn't going to be a teenage statistic because she had gotten pregnant as a young woman, had to give up a basketball scholarship and not go to college at first. So she swore, I will not be a teenage statistic. So yeah, she succeeded at that. You know, she broke records with sales and she made her life very successful and now she's 35 and it's like okay you're a far past teenager so what's going to motivate you now so the life story shows me sometimes some of these decisions we made that gave us success but kind of like that other book title what got you here is not going to get you there like it no longer it's like having an outdated operating system on your computer like you cannot create a future from an old vow that you already fulfilled or that no longer makes any difference to you. Mm -hmm. But most people don't know that. So they don't even look for that in trying to figure out what to do. The second turnkey is purpose. And purpose can be a very loaded conversation. It can be a very woo-woo conversation, but I'm pretty pragmatic about it. It basically gets down to what you're built to do. Like what is that finest essence of you that no one can take away from you, and that you probably don't even need to retrain to do. It's always been there. Like for me, I told you about being on the stage and wanting to cause change. I was also, as a waitress, the person who everyone came to to figure out how they were going to get to their dream, right? So,
0: <laughs> the wait, guy while know, you were waitressing? While, yes. You were like, coaching while you were waitressing. Yes. I was coaching without while realizing, okay. unbeknownst to me. Okay.
1: That because they the waiters and waitresses that I work with saw me, you know, very disciplined, going to those five a.m. stand in line, wait in the rain for a number audition calls, then show up at work at four o'clock, work all night, and do it again the next day. So they always saw like I was so committed. So we had someone who wanted to be a restaurateur, someone who designed men's ties, someone who wanted to be a music uh, writer, like pop music list goes on and in indubitably these people would sit me down at some point and go no, how do i do this and i'm like what do i know how do i know but ex- this guy had his ties in barney's new york this woman had a, had a restaurant in martinique um and saint martin and the other guy had a music career now I don't take wait. Any you help for them. Any. You help coach them to have no, I the- don't, t- I was going to say, I don't take credit for any of it. I just yeah. helped them see the forest through the trees of how they were going to get there. So anyway, back to purpose, like there are things that each of us naturally do in our life that may have nothing to do with our job description that is pointing towards your sweet spot that we mm-hmm. want to now help you move forward with. So that's why I call the life story and the purpose conversation, the turnkeys to the not what program.
0: Okay. And you also talk about like a through line that you have in your life. Oh, golden I, threads. The golden thread. And I think of it as a through line. That's how I always think of it. Yes. I've noted noticed patterns. And then I've, as I've coached and talked to other people, I'm like, look at these things that you think are isolated and how they somehow come together that creates this magic. Can you talk about that? I love that. I love golden threads. I love the way- Yes. That's term-
1: one of the things I look for in people's life stories. And probably, you know, the the best way to talk about it, I'll take the the piece out of my TED talk where I had this guy who was like, oh, you know, I've gotten every dream I ever had. So your theory doesn't work. And, uh, you know, I can't figure out what I want to do. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what do you want to do? He wanted to do something <laughs> around extreme adventure travel in nature. And he just could not reconcile it with currently being an advertising executive. So I said, okay, let's look at all the dreams you ever had that you succeeded at. His first dream was to be a magician when he was a kid and he succeeded at that. So, okay, watch this. Then he wanted to be an architect and he was. Then he wanted to be an advertising man and he was. And now he wants to lead people in extreme nature travel because that's his thing. So the through line to all that. If you see a magic trick, you go, oh. If you love architecture and you're looking up at buildings, let's say in Paris, you go, oh. If you've never seen a billboard in Times Square and you see one so big the woman's navel is the size of a cruise ship, you're like, oh. and when you go out in nature, you go. Oh. I love so that. we saw a through line of how he inspires awe in everything that he does.
0: Oh my God. I just got goosebumps. So, But you, you saw that pattern. Did he see yes. that pattern or you saw that pattern? I saw the pattern. That's what I figured. You saw it and you helped him-
1: Recognize that pattern. And then he had the aha moment where he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And the best part of that, the story with this guy, is that he was so freaked out about that. He quit working with me and never returned a phone call ever again. 10 years later, right before I'm writing the 2015 redo, I get an email from an adventure travel company. And I was like, why am I getting this email? I didn't sign up for this. And something like made me look a little further down the scroll, and it was him. I love this. And I called him, and I'm like, you son of a bee, you <laughs> disappeared on me. <laughs> and he goes, I'm here. I made it. I was so freaked out. He you stayed in me. his job for a really long time, blah, 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 blah. And he... Let me talk to him 10 years later. He did it.
0: Oh my goodness. I love this. You know what it reminds me of too is being in a relationship with somebody. It's so good in the beginning and you fall in love and everything's magical and you picture this whole life with this person and then, I don't know, a year later, it's not so magical and two years later, it's even less magical but you stay. Because the idea of leaving what's comfortable and familiar and also what you had imagined being so perfect in the one or whatever your story you're telling yourself it's sort of analogous don't you think in terms of how it we, is
1: yeah we create constructs to stay comfortable yes you know, we don't like being pushed to the edge of our comfort zone and I get it you know I'm not I'm not hundred percent fearless you know once I mean I have three kids a mortgage and three colleges, you know, like you become a little less fearless in your older age, but um, you know, you have to, you have to look for where you're uncomfortable. And it's like, you know, do the hardest thing first, do the thing that makes you uncomfortable. And the growth is the prize. It doesn't always work out dreamy, but the growth is the prize. Like I just ran for office twice in three years. And that was it, like, you know, that was a battle and a half, but I I this is something I was moved to do. Wow. I it was like I'm dumb sitting on the sidelines and you know it's just not enough for me to cheer somebody else on. I had to run. <laughs> wow. Congrats. And That's huge, Laura. Huge. And I failed both times. It if doesn't you matter. Point, it's it still not, huge. It's not huge winning, accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. It was huge. It was huge. They were really good campaigns. I just was in a very very tough district. Like the numbers weren't there really mm-hmm. to win, but um It inspired so many other people to do something similar. I, you know, I work now for a couple of campaigns as a volunteer on the national level and it just, it just opened my eyes. Right. So I'm putting this out there as like, sometimes you follow your intuition and it doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go, but I have no regrets and I've recommitted to my business. I'm probably not going to run again, not for a long time. Um, But It was the learning, the discomfort, the being on the edge of your learning curve that is just like something that will serve me and my clients ongoing. So I guess all that to say, nothing is a waste,
0: you know? Well, I think that's so good for people to hear. And actually, I wanted to ask you, how do you know if you're in alignment? So you're talking about intuition. I have very strong intuition. What if you're following something you know, I know a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and they're on the journey a year two years and maybe things aren't gelling. How do you know if you are in alignment? Should you be seeing that magic? Should you be seeing the synchronicity? Should you be, you know, what are the signposts or is it just show up, take the time and at some point you'll know? I mean, how do you discern?
1: That, I mean, I, you know, we all want certainty and, you know, I really wish I had the formula for certainty, but, How you know is, look, you can't be harming yourself in the process of following your intuition. You know what I mean? Like if you, um, if you are suffering, if, um, you know, I'm struggling with this because it's a, it's a tough thing to answer. You know, you've heard of people who put everything on a credit card to produce their film. They risked everything that could be seen as hurting yourself going into debt but then they want an oscar you know so it's it's i don't know what the rules are other than you have to know that you're committed and you're committed to see it through and if it ends up being a failure you learned from it'll be adding up to something else
0: right, right? it'll be part of that golden thread maybe for the next step maybe it's,
1: right. it's the so next right there's always step. Yeah. this balance of messing up your life yeah. and going for the brass ring, you know? So it's, I think it's very individual for every person. But what I look for is you're aligned if you're operating from your values, you know, so you're aligned if you're feeling excited and, you know, there's fear and excitement are very close. You know, how do you tell Mm -hmm. the difference? Sometimes Mm -hmm. we're, you know, my acting teacher used to say, fear is just excitement without the oxygen. (laughs) So you have to keep breathing and it sort of feels like a free fall Like I jumped out of the airplane. There's no turning back terrifying and exciting so that you know, if we're looking for there to be no fear That's not an indicator of failure or success fear is going to be there Of course, but you're looking for am I operating out of my highest self or am I operating out of my lower being like um I'll give you an example from this week at someone who called me who the, the pandemic has destroyed their industry. Just mm-hmm. there's, it's not going to be coming back for a very long time, if ever. Wow. And this person decided that they're going to cash in their savings to go back to school. They've always thought about being a therapist in this case. And um, now's the time. So do I take the MSW or do I go for the highly specialized training that I'm really interested in? If I do the MSW, I can cast a broader net, blah, 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 blah. So I, how I look at this is where are we operating from fear and where are we operating from love? So this is a course of miracles, right? It's, to me, it's very black and white. Are you in fear or are you operating out of your higher self? To go for the MSW was operating in fear, covering all her bases It was not going to interest to her. She's very advanced already in her understanding of psychology It's going to be boring. And then I said to her, you're that's that choice you're making out of fear. And she goes, you're right. Damn it. Right. So she Mm -hmm. tells me that she's going to apply to the more specialized program calls me the next day to say the MSW application is closed for another year. So now that choice went away Mm -hmm. and we're waiting to hear if she got accepted to the specialized. Right. so, That encompasses everything we were just talking about. Risk, fear, right? You're always afraid when you're going for something, but making a decision out of fear is distinct from feeling fear because you're trying something new. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it's perfect. I love that answer. And you know, I'm just thinking, you've coached tens of thousands of people. Maybe there's, have you seen any characteristics though or traits that people have where the ones who follow through and can find that, Success as they define it, you know that yes. can you share some of those? I'm just curious because you must see some patterns that, by now.
1: Um, ask me that again, I'm not sure if I got that okay,
0: so patterns for what well, characteristics of people who follow the path and find fulfillment versus those who do give up
1: Oh, okay, so um, the people who follow the path to fulfillment they They've just, dis- they've made a decision that they're not going to be miserable anymore. Um, that, they're, that, that is not no longer an option, right? Not so that. they'll follow. Yeah. That was you. That was you. That's interesting. right? Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to live in misery. So if I choose otherwise, what takes me out of misery? Right. So mm-hmm. they, they follow that. The other, I call it also like, what's your criteria for happiness? And it's not like the happiness of having a smile on your face every day, but the, the criteria for happiness being, you know, can your basic needs be met, right? Cause we're not happy if we're in, if we're living on the street, of course. can your basic needs be met and can you honor the things that are important to you? Like having integrity or having honesty in what you do or helping others in what you do right? So the criteria becomes, again, more internal criteria than external criteria of what the world expects from you. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it totally does. And it it just, it makes me question though, then does somebody, because you talk about you can't be miserable, you can't lose your home or that kind of thing, but can you pursue the thing and then sometimes have to do the things that maybe... We're part of the your money path. job. The money <laughs> job. Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. Do you got to do the consulting gig because you had the marketing background and you know you can make the money there? But really, what you're trying to do is become, you know, a coach or something else.
1: Yes. I mean, look, there's, I, let's call that a crossover, right? So sometimes you have to have a crossover, like you're going to have to do the thing for money, but your eye is on the prize. Um, and eventually, there'll come a place where you resent the consulting job because it's taking away from your coaching practice. And you may not yet have a full, full, full coaching practice, but if you took away that consulting, you'd finally have the time to get it to where it needs to be. So there's usually a breaking point time when you're doing those crossover type things. Mm -hmm. And that's when you take the leap of faith. So you don't have to do it blind, like cut off everything and go for the gusto. You can have a crossover where there'll be a breaking point where you can no longer do both and then you'll choose the one that you, you want most and take that risk.
0: Okay. That's, that's good. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs who've come on some of these really high level seven figure entrepreneurs who who've just jumped off the cliff. Cause that's actually their personality. That just, it's the only way they know how to do it. And yes,
1: then, and you know, right, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be, you know, I don't try to stop people if they're that way, but I'm going to question, you know, What makes that okay for them? And if it's okay for them, it's okay for them. That's right. That's right. Um, uh,
0: Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about intuition because I do think it's so important. So for you, and I get this too, where you just get that voice and it won't stop and the message is the same and it's very simple and it's over and over. Call for me sometimes it's call a friend, call this friend. And it's somebody I haven't talked to. It just happened actually last week where her name was coming so, so strong, Laura, that I had to pick up the phone. Like I, we don't call we we text if anything um and i texted her i'm like are you okay i don't i just didn't even know why i was writing that she had had an emergency appendectomy to the day that the voice started mm. and i'm like gosh i got to pay attention to that voice more it's not the first time that's happened but let's leave the women listening with this cuz this sixth sensory way of being is i think it's you know We're kind of the first generation that has this opportunity. You talk about it in your book. I've seen it with my parents. You know, they've you, the generations that have worked so hard just to create this foundation for us now to really live our soul's journeys, right? So, yes, we are very privileged. We are so privileged, but it creates sometimes pain because we're still holding on to some of these old patterns. And I think sometimes it's even. I don't know if this is true in our DNA. Like, I really feel like it's embedded. No, no. I
1: mean you, it's known that you can pass on, you know, trauma through DNA, and so I think you should. You can also pass on work ethic. You know, the immigrant work ethic is. You know, I I said at the top of my TEDx talk too is like my my if my grandfather the butcher who came over here at seventeen years old on a boat alone mm-hmm. heard me say you know people want to be happy at work he'd be like happy who you know happy is putting food on the table what are you exactly, talking about right. so. So, you know, two generations later, we are very much in that push and pull of like, do the right things, go to college, get the right job, yeah. stay in it for as long as you can, have a retirement, you know, and nowadays they're questioning whether a college education is worth the investment, you yeah. know, so the world has changed and we're not changing with it.
0: Yes. Unless
1: we listen to our intuition. Yes. And, and you, that example you gave of intuition is perfect. And also Intuition, I find, yeah. will repeat itself. Will become firmer and firmer till you listen to it. But it never yells at you. That fear yells at you.
0: Yes,
1: fear says horrible things to you. Intuition is calm and firm. Call your friend. Call Jay. Call Jay. Call Jay, oh, Jay. Pick up that phone today. Right. My my mom just thought of an old friend to find to pick up the phone and find out she was on her deathbed for mm. and died two weeks later. And I'm so happy my mother had her last. Opportunity to oh. talk to this friend, so we have to listen to that voice, and you know the and the, I think the way to know that it's intuition is that it'll be persistent and it it won't be mean to you
0: <laughs> I love that, okay, okay, so um, we could cover so much more, but is there anything that I didn't ask you,
1: Laura, today, that you want to leave the women listening with um You know, I just, I would love for people to come visit my website, nowwhatcoaching.com or laurabermanforking.com and watch what's happening this fall. So if you're a coach, we're about to do a big training for coaches in October. And if you're uh, someone trying to figure out what to do with your life, stay tuned because we have a, we have a big new product coming up at the end of October as well. But if I were to say like a parting thought, it would just be that something's trying to emerge and the world will be robbed of it. If you don't listen to that. No, I love it so much. Well, I usually ask the women. um,
0: Yes. To my guests to leave the women listening with their three best tips for living a good life. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Um, Our conversation has been so rich. I I think that to help this emerge for people, I'd say the three tips are learn, learn to say no. Be comfortable with saying no to the things that don't bring out your best. Um, Put yourself at the top of your priority list. And I have children. I know how hard that is. I've been through all the stages. But doing your best to give yourself you time so you can hear that voice of intuition. Mm -hmm. And finally, stop undervaluing yourself.
0: I love it. Yeah, you've got to crazy.
1: value yourself enough to when you hear that intuition You make it a priority to act on it despite all the things pulling at your attention
0: I have this has been an amazing conversation And this whole show is about awakening to what's possible and to listen to and follow through on those I call them sometimes little whispers that are in our minds and and to really honor those So this is so aligned with that and i'm deeply grateful for your time Where can people
1: learn more about you and your work laura? Again, those websites are nowwhatcoaching.com and laurabermanfortging.com. And I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Come find me.
0: <laughs> well us chat.
1: And I'll definitely link uh, your TED
0: Talk in the show notes as well today. So thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. It's a
1: pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life that is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself so If you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in and I look forward to reconnecting with you next next Wednesday. Bye for now.